Psalms. And let's turn to Psalm 120. And we're going to cover this a little different tonight, but Psalm 120. And if your Bible has the headings to the Psalms, you'll notice that this says a Psalm of Degrees. Now, the best understanding that I can find on this Psalm of Degrees, Song of Degrees, is these were the songs that were sung by the pilgrims, by the Jewish people, as they ascended through the mountain passes going to Jerusalem. And so these were traveling songs. I don't know about you, but on my, I do a lot of driving. And so on my phone, I have certain playlists that I have set aside primarily for driving music. I mean, you get some good banjo picking and stuff and playing that keeps you awake and keeps you attention on the road and all that stuff. And these were traveling songs. These were songs that they they would sing to focus their attention. Now, I mean, you didn't have to worry about staying awake when you're walking most of the time uh, or keeping your attention on the road. But what they were trying to do was prepare their hearts for worship. They were trying to get ready because uh, your, your Bible is very clear about this, and the Jewish people understood this thoroughly. Uh, we have a worship service on Sunday morning. We all come in, we sit down, and we're going to worship. Well, real worship doesn't always work that way now, does it? There, there needs to be some preparation of heart. There, there needs to be some things done so that real worship can occur. And, and these songs were part of that process. And so uh, tonight what I'm going to try to do is go through three psalms. Uh, the first three of these psalms of, songs of degrees, 120, 121, and 122. And I think you'll see a definite progression here. A, a thing that is happening. So let's just dive in. Psalm 120. In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshach, and that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath Long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Now, isn't that an encouraging little psalm? I mean, you just read that and it just, wow, I, I'm just picking now. You say, wow, that, that's kind of depressing. But I, I want you to get the idea here. What he's doing is... There, there is nothing unscriptural with reality. There is nothing unscriptural with understanding where you live. I, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, Sunday afternoons is a great time to just catch a little rest. And, and as I wake up, I just have my phone there and I put on the radio, pick up the news headlines, and what was it? Hillary Clinton is running for president. And then they had that lovely voice come on and say, uh, comforting, 
I am going to be the candidate of all people. I am tired of all this inequality. Now, let me tell you something. When someone in the government starts talking about inequality, that means you have money that they want. Uh, that, that's not very comforting to me. Uh, that's a scary thought. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is, that's what this world has always been, is it not? Is that anything new? New. Same old stuff. Just different people. And you can get all wrapped up in that, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure my prayer is headed toward heaven. I'm not going to allow myself to get wrapped up. I'm going to try in all the fear of these candidates and what they want to do and how much they want to help you. Uh, I want my help to come from God. That's the only place. And you know something? There's an awful lot of lies being passed on in this world. I mean, right now, our... Our faith, what we believe in, is under direct assault in, in our country. I mean, they, the uh, governor and the state legislature of Indiana, how many of you understand that law that they passed a couple weeks ago? Do you remember the story of the cake maker? I think he was in Arizona. Some sodomites went in and said, we want you to make a cake for our wedding. And he said, well, I'm a Christian, I I don't support this, and I really would feel like I'm supporting your marriage by making the cake for it, and I don't want to do that. And they took him to court. You know what was the actual outcome of that? He either had to make the cake or lose his business. And he chose to lose his business because he had what we call integrity. Well, the legislature and the governor of Indiana said, we don't want that foolishness going on in our state. And they passed a law saying that can't happen. Well, boy, doesn't this describe that? Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. I mean, you would think that the governor passed hate legislation and that every homosexual in the state of Indiana is now going to be painted a target on their back and shot at. and I, I, That's what you heard in the news. Total lies. Had nothing to do with the law at all. In fact, the great we just had the fellowship meeting in Connecticut and one of the preachers there was saying, would you like our governor? And because he said that the, the coaches from Connecticut State, uh, from the State University, Connecticut couldn't travel to the coaches meeting uh, uh, of the NCAA because it was in Indiana. And, and he's trying to show solidarity, uh, massive intelligence. I said, listen, I said, I think I'd do a trade for your governor. Amen. <laughs> I, I, I mean, our governor says there's no place in this state for Christians. Uh, so I, I don't know which one is worse to you. But what does the next verse say? What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? You know what? God is going to judge the liars, and he's going to judge the lies. If God's going to do it, does he need your help? 
Is God expecting you to do something about all their lies? Not from what I can tell. I mean, arrows of the mighty and and coals of juniper. Uh, Most of us aren't familiar with that, but the juniper tree is very similar to a hemlock tree. Uh, Has anybody ever had a fireplace tried to burn hemlock? Uh, You can't hardly burn the wood. Uh, in central Pennsylvania, there's, there's hemlock forest in there. And uh, juniper is a very similar tree. It's a cedar. It's got a lot of oil in it. And it's a really wet wood, and it doesn't burn. I mean, you can actually start a fire and burn up a whole bunch of pine just trying to get the, the hemlock to light. But once it does... It'll melt the grate in the fireplace. Uh, It burns, and it burns hot, but it takes an awful lot to get it going. And that's what this is talking about. God is going to take care of the liars. God is going to deal with them. He said, but woe is me. Now, this is going to be in total contrast I want you to look, just skip ahead for a minute here, to verse 1 of chapter 122, of Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of our God. Do you see the difference there? He's saying, woe is me, I dwell in a land of people that don't love God. And in the last one he's going, I was glad when they, when the people around me said, let's go to the house of the Lord. That idea is let's go there together. And, and that's the, the, the progression that I see in these three Psalms. In this first one, he, he's saying, I was in distress. I called unto the Lord. I live in a land where nobody cares about God. I want peace. I want to be able to just serve God. God, but everybody around me, they're for strife, they're for war, they're they're for evil, and God's going to take care of that lying lips, and He's going to take care, and it's amazing how the people accuse Bible-believing Christians of being the source of strife in society. And if you've ever noticed how these people work, is... They fight against this group over here, and then they fight against this group over here, and then they fight against this group over here, and when they finally get all the freedom they want, they fight among themselves. Uh, It's worse than a group of brothers and sisters, if you've ever been there. Uh, Nobody fights from the outside, but we all fight on the inside. And the, the simple truth here is what the psalmist is singing here is, I live in a bad place. But look at the next psalm. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. He said, I don't live in a good place. They speak of war, but I'm going to lift my eyes up. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Thy Lord, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and from evermore. See, I, I really believe that 
Psalm 121 is basically verse 2 of Psalm 120. As the psalmist laments of the situation in which he finds himself, he says, but I'm not going to look on this plane. I'm going to lift up my eyes. You know what? The Lord is going to protect me. He is going to keep me. Even though we go back to verse 2 of Psalm 120, they're lying about me and saying false things. It says, My help cometh from the Lord, who made, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. You know what is so amazing? Is we, if you study science at all, if you study man at all. Things change, do they not? If somehow we could get John F. Kennedy, who was by all measures a liberal Democrat of his day, and we were to take his policies and his speeches and put them in the mouths of a modern-day politician, guess what? It'd be the most conservative guy out there. Farther right than most of the Republicans. Because things have moved. In 1929, ladies, if you exposed your ankles at Jones Beach, they hauled you off the beach for indecent public exposure. Ankles. I dare say, no self Respecting, believing Christian would purposely go to Jones Beach during the high beach season without being affected in a very negative way of the things that you would see and understand. And uh, you may be one of those spiritual ones. I don't look at the bodies. I just look at the beach. Well, why don't you go in December then? I'm not going to call you a liar, but I'm going to question your veracity to the umpteenth degree. And if you don't know what that means, I just called you a liar very nicely. The truth of the matter is, this world in which we live moves and is moving all the time. When I was a kid... And that wasn't that long ago, by the way, regardless of public opinion. It wasn't that long ago. Smoking pot was for the loony kazoonies. It was not standard behavior. Today, among our young people, not smoking pot would be pretty weird. That's how far... Our nation and our society has moved. And that's what this psalmist is referring to here. He says, thou shalt not suffer my foot to be removed. I'm not going to jump on that slippery slope. A preacher was preaching a while back, and and it's standard knowledge. The world was here at this date and time, and Christianity was just behind them. But as the world moves... Many of the Christians moved right along with them. They're just doing the things that the world thought wrong 20 years before. 
you know, you need something more than that if you're going to live today. It's not just separation from the world, doing what the world says was acceptable 20 years ago. It's doing what God says. That's how your feet cannot be moved. And when your feet cannot be moved, guess what? He that keepeth thee will not slumber. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God is never too busy to take your prayers. Isn't that a beautiful thought? He's never resting. I, every time I read something like this, I, I go back to Mount Carmel with old Elijah and his taunt of the prophets of Baal. He said, maybe you better yell a little louder. Maybe your God's on a trip. Maybe he's asleep. Don't tell me there weren't Baptists in the Old Testament. Amen. Uh, I mean, he was just, he was enjoying the exposure of the powerlessness of the God of Baal. Nothing wrong with that. But my God never sleeps. He never slumbers. He is going to keep you. How many of you are familiar with the term lunatic? You've heard that. Do you know what that means? It means a person of the moon. Man of the moon. The word lunatic referred to people who are crazy, is what it simply means. And they talk about this, especially in the deserts there in North Africa and the Middle East, that being you would travel by night because of the sun. You know, in all the movies, they got the guys there and the sun's beating down. They're going, <gasps> only dead people traveled in the desert in the daytime. You traveled at night because it was cool. You tried to stay out of the sun so you stayed hydrated. I mean, you can, you can dehydrate and die in a matter of hours in that desert sun exposed. Only Hollywood would be that stupid. But sometimes, even out in the desert, traveling at night, people would go crazy. They'd be affected by that big moon beating down on them. And it says, the sun's not going to smite you by day, and the moon's not going to smite you by night. God's going to protect you in this world in which you live. Do you see how much, how more encouraging the second verse is from the first? He says, I live in a wicked world. I live in a world that's for war. He says, but my deliverance is coming from God, and He's going to keep me. And He, and I love these last verses here. It says, the Lord shall preserve thee. From all evil, he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth forevermore. Now, we could spend a lot of time just on that word preserve. But the word preserve means to keep in a state, in an unspoiled state. My grandmother used to make what was called preserves. And she would mix that jelly together and get it all ready, and then she'd pour hot wax in the top. Now, the reason she did that is because if you took that wonderful elderberry jam and stuck it in the pressure cooker to seal the lid, you'd turn the jam to water and ruin it. And so, in order to preserve it, you'd pour that hot wax in there, and what it would do 
is it would make an airtight seal, and that jelly would keep for years. The only thing I didn't like is when you popped the wax out, there were always these little globules of wax floating in the top of the jelly. Now, you couldn't taste them, but they sure didn't feel good in your mouth. But uh, the simple truth is God said, the psalmist said, he's going to preserve me. I have a future with the Lord. Now, look at the next step as we get to Psalm 122. It says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of our Lord. He is now joined with the others going to Jerusalem. And he says, our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. It's one thing to talk about going somewhere. It's another thing to be there now, isn't it? It's one thing to talk about worshiping God. He said, but our feet are going to stand in that city. And imagine if we could think back to the days of Solomon and to the days of the kings that worshipped the God of Israel as the Jewish people from all over the world would travel. And they would sing these songs and they would hike through often dangerous roads and come uh, across rivers and finally walk up that mountain and they get up to the top of the hill there. It's called the Mount of Olives. And then they would come down over that little hill into the city of Jerusalem, which sits at the top of a mountain. And the psalmist is saying, you know what, I found some friends to travel along the road. I found some other people that are happy and joyous about the same things I am. Excuse me. And we walk down and our feet are actually standing in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compacted together. And, And someone said, when David wrote this psalm, of course, the temple wasn't built until years into the reign of Solomon. And most of Jerusalem, really, there was a, uh, a Jebusite dwelling there that dated back several centuries. So what was David talking about here? Well, if we understand our prophecy correctly, we're looking for a city called the New Jerusalem that really is compacted together because it's built by God. It's a, it's a cube, actually. Uh, uh, 125 miles in each direction. And in that is going to be the temple where God's going to dwell. And there's not going to be any night there. And there's no sun in the New Jerusalem. And I believe David was talking prophetically about that Jerusalem. But he was referring physically to the one that was here on earth. And he was looking forward to that date when that temple would be built and people would come. And it says, Whither the tribes go up in the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. That's worship. And it was supposed to be in Jerusalem. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Now, David had lots of promises. The prophet had promised that David would have a descendant that would go forever. 
And, of course, that is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we believe that there's a prof- this is prophetically speaking about the new Jerusalem, but it was physically speaking about the real Jerusalem. There was supposed to be peace and goodness there because of the throne. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Why? Jerusalem is the center of the Jewish world. It is where the king, who was supposed to give the law of God, it is where the temple, where you were to worship God. Everything that dealt with Jewish life is in that city. And I don't care if you want to call it occupied territory or not. It belongs to the Jew. God gave it to them. It's their city. And one of these days, the new Jerusalem will house the Prince of Peace ruling the world from the city of peace. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. You know what the the psalmist is saying? Listen, I live in a world that's controlled by those who do not love God. Psalm 120. He said, but my help cometh from the hills. I'm not looking on this plane in which I can see. I'm looking upward to God. And He's going to keep me, and He's going to keep me from sliding and moving and, and participating in things that bring offense to God. He's going to protect me day and night. He's not only going to protect me this moment, He is going to preserve me. Because God wants us to worship Him. And guess what? I'm not going to be doing it alone. That's one of the reasons why preachers need fellowship meetings. Is we need to be reminded as pastors that we're not in this battle alone. Uh, when I was a young preacher, I went uh, to the fellowship meetings somewhat selfishly. Uh, we needed to raise money for the building. Uh, I, I needed direction, and, and I'll tell you, riding with old Brother Horton to some of those meetings, I got more help and I got more direction just listening to Brother Horton tell the same stories over again. Than, than I did from some of the preaching. But that's important because we're not the only one. The reason we have church is so all of our members can understand you're not the only one. You're not the only one with burdens. You're not the only one with struggles. And if we want to encourage one another, you know what David said in this psalm, I'm going to seek the peace of Jerusalem. I'm going to seek the good of Jerusalem because that's where the temple's going to be. Well, we, we may, uh, if we would choose to modernize this a little bit or actually give the application to where we live today, I want to seek the good of this church so people can hear the gospel and be blessed. And you ought to seek the good of this church. So that you can be encouraged, so others can be encouraged, so others can find what you found. 
We need to seek the good of North Brooklyn Baptist Church so we can reach out beyond our borders. And we pray for our missionaries. Why? So we can extend the hand of what we do to both Judea and Samaria and to the other parts of the world. We can't just do things here and expect God's blessing. We've got to reach out. And we have three psalms here. And can you see how they fit together? I live in a bad place, but my help comes from the Lord. And together we're going to worship God and we're going to reach above this world in which we live. That would encourage you. And you've got to remember that just because this one psalm is kind of depressing doesn't mean that it isn't connected to the other ones that are going to lift you up. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for the message. It's in these songs of degrees. And Lord, we ask that you would help us as we take stock of where we live that we would not be overwhelmed, that we would understand you're still in control. And Lord, that we would lift our eyes above the plane of our normal sight and trust in the unseen hand of God. But Lord, we would take that a step further and encourage ourselves and others to physically participate in that worship of God and to seek His good that others may hear. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer.